Welcome to True Combo. I'm your host, Marcus Driscoll, and today joining me is... Max Nolan Young. How you doing today, Max? I'm doing pretty good. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Max, let's just dive right into it. What have you been playing today? Uh, today, I have been playing nothing, which is exactly what I've been playing for the past couple of days. However, I did just download Apex Legends, which I am hopefully going to start playing this weekend. Uh, we've got a couple friends who are super into it, Yeah, and I'm looking forward to a new... Uh, a new battle royale. Sure, I've I played just like a few games of it because it was like right before I had to go to work or something like that. Um, and I have I don't think I've spent enough time with it to really like make a decision over whether I like it or not. Uh, but that's something that I'm actually gonna bring up later is like Apex Legends and stuff like that of like how I feel about it as a battle royale or like as a game in general. Really. Yeah. Um, well, I've also been playing, um, Nier Automata, um, which is such a fun game. And I hit a point 10 hours into playing the game where I got frustrated. It's the first time I got frustrated in 10 hours of play, which is enough to say how good this game is, is that it took 10 hours for me to find something that I was like, oh, well, I don't want to play this. I literally had to throw my keyboard down because I, (laughs) I died. So I, I know that like with the the PC port of Nier Automata that a lot of people have like a bunch of bugs and stuff like that and like a, a lot of like weird frame skipping issues. Have you ran into that? I haven't noticed anything weird. Uh, the only thing I had to restart the game because I missed something on a quest. Like I missed the drop and and it it did not show up. But again, one time yeah that's happened since that I started sense. playing the game. I, whenever I originally played it, I, I think I, I think I pre-ordered that game because I played like the the PlayStation Four demo for it, and I was immediately hooked because like it's it's by Platinum Games, which is one of my favorite developers, and just like Platinum, really knows how to make a good hack and slash game, uh, and so like the combat in Near Automata, Bayonetta games, uh, I think they did the most recent DMC. I'm not sure. The one that's coming out in a couple weeks? No, sorry. The uh, the one prior to that. So, okay. like, the, the reboot of the series. They might, they might have done that. I can't remember. But anyway, um, I'm, a, I'm a really big fan of, like, how Platinum Games, like, their movement and their combat system works um, because it's very fluid in, like, all of it. And that's something that I just, I adore. Yeah, I've really enjoyed playing the game. It's, very, it's beautiful, and it's also uh, intuitive. I will say that I initially started playing it on keyboard, uh, which was a bad idea because it <laughs> seems very much optimized to a controller. Right. Um, which is fine. I feel you. There's just some games that work better on a controller. I first played Final Fantasy 15 on PS4, and it was a lot more smooth than its PC port, I feel like, um, because it just something feels clunky, and I don't know what it is. Um, I mean, I enjoy playing on PS on, on PC, but I don't know if I prefer it on controller or keyboard, like you were saying. I think... I'm going to try to stick it out with keyboard, though. That's the way I've felt um, just playing games on a computer. Yeah. Uh, it seems much more intuitive to play a game on a computer using the tool that the computer came with. Right. But being able to plug and play with a essentially, uh, with an Xbox controller uh, into my computer also makes it... Uh, PCs the best. Consoles are for peasants. <laughs> uh, in case you are wondering which team i was on 
Yeah. Uh, that that last sentence answered answered both questions. <laughs> Xbox and PC. Um, speaking of consoles, I played a lot of Kingdom Hearts three recently, and so I bought the game as soon as it came out. And um, Kingdom Hearts is like my favorite series of all time, and I have a lot of feelings about it that are summed up with like it's a good game, and that's about it. <laughs> Which is sad because for a game that was what was it thirteen years in the waiting yes yeah, is that you too. you you came away with that with it's a good game it's hard for a game like that to really blow you out of the water whenever it has been in 13 years in the making because your standards for it are so unbelievably high and it, whether whether or not you recognize that that's just how it is i also think that hype was built up because 13 years right. you were like every time they sit, put the least little little tidbit of right. kingdom hearts in front of your face you jumped at it and yeah. <laughs> just kept on jumping until you jumped into the game, and it was, it was all right. It was everything I wanted it to be, and like, I feel like that is, is good for like a thirteen-year development cycle. Something that like I'm an avid fan of the series. I I fully recognize that there are flaws of the game, um, and I won't get into any spoilers like or anything like that. But um, the ending was very satisfying, at least to me. Uh, it wrapped up things with a nice little bow, and it had a great segue into the next game. It had enough cliffhangers to keep you interested in what's coming next, but it also wrapped up enough of the stories that you've been waiting to see the conclusion of that it was uh, a great ending. Did you hear they uh, recently announced uh, Kingdom Hearts 4's release date? I don't think that's true. It's 2078. Ah, well, that I can't argue with that. <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds about right. Something else I've been playing is Spellbreak, and this is another Battle Royale game that I'll talk about whenever we get into like our Battle Royale spiel. I recently got accepted into the closed alpha and oh, nice. uh, was uh, doing some of the training just to yeah. try and get uh, a hold of the, the mechanics of the game, Yeah, uh, which is pretty much like most, yeah. most games have the same controls on the <laughs> PC now, and it's real easy to hop into them. Uh, learning the little intricacies... Uh, was yeah, it has a little bit of a learning curve. Um, but I have not actually gotten into any games. Gotcha. Um, I've, I've played a few just because I haven't had the time. I've also picked back up Kirby's Adventure on the Switch, like the original Nintendo title. Um, because like if you get if you have like a Nintendo Switch Online membership, then you you get um like a bunch of like free Nintendo titles, which is super cool. Um, and Kirby's like one of my favorite platformers of all time, so I've been playing a lot of Kirby. Yeah, if there is one thing that I would like in regards to playing video games, it's a Nintendo Switch. Because I mm -hmm. have not had a Nintendo console since I was living with my parents and I was a child. I had like I had a Nintendo 64 up until recently. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't use it. Yeah. And most of the games were games that we had when I was a kid and yeah. therefore were degraded beyond play. <laughs> yeah. I played a little bit, and we all ended up being too good at e any game, because I was playing multiplayer, because that's the thing that I loved most about the N64, was right. playing multiplayer, which I think speaks a lot to what I like about games now, Yeah, uh, and why, when we talk about Battle Royale games here in a minute, why I enjoy playing with my friends, and, and why those games appeal to me. Right, yeah, I definitely feel you. Um, did you ever have a GameCube? Or what, oh, did, did yeah. It? Okay. I had a GameCube. Oh boy, did I have a GameCube! Okay, because like, well, you mentioned the N sixty four. I didn't know if that's where it stopped. No, we we had every Nintendo console growing up. Okay, um, up to the Wii, 
and then like you had a Wii? We had a Wii. Okay. Uh, and then my brother moved out for college, and we stopped. People stopped asking for the newest console whenever it came out, so my yeah. parents stopped buying it. That makes sense. Um, well, I can say that you're not missing much because the Wii U was kind of a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is that is exactly what I've heard. Yeah, uh, and that's coming from someone who had a Wii U and played it avidly. There was like a there were very few games on the Wii U that were worth buying. Um, that you can't get either a better version of now, and I, that, well, that's pretty much it. Because uh, Splatoon uh, and Smash Ultimate beats out Smash Four by miles, and that's in this. And I've played both extensively. Mario Kart Eight Deluxe on Switch, like just the Wii U was trash, and it, that's just how it is. Which Nintendo, if you want to sponsor us, um, <laughs> we love the Wii U. Yeah, and here's here's a clean take of our Wii U advertisement. Wii U. Play it, you dumb son of a bitch. Um, <laughs> speaking of Nintendo, uh, they had a Direct a little while ago. They did. And we'll get to the Pokemon Direct uh, in a moment. So just some, title, the, some titles that stuck out to me in the, in the Nintendo Direct were Super Mario Maker 2, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, um, Dragon Quest Builders and Dragon Quest 11, Rune Factory 5. Uh, we got some more Yoshi's Crafted World gameplay. Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses. I know a lot of people are uh, excited about that one. Uh, Tetris 99 and... Uh, Astral Chain. Astral Chain's like an alien invasion um, kind of hack and slash thing. And like I said, it's by Platinum, one of my favorite developers. I'm really excited for that. Uh, it's coming out on Nintendo Switch. Yeah, and... the the thing that caught my eye about the Direct uh, was uh, Dragon Quest Eleven. Yeah. I have not played any of the previous 10 plus Dragon Quest games <laughs> and saw it and was immediately interested in it. Um, something that I'm interested in is Dragon Quest Builders 2 because like um, Dragon Quest Builders 1, I never got the chance to play, but it looks it looked like a ton of fun. I love playing those kind of games. Survival crafting, but like there's no like major stakes. You know what I mean? I'll agree that Dra Dragon Quest 11 looked really fun. Um, I'm not the biggest fan of turn-based combat. For a lot of games, I've had to just, like, stick it out and, and play it anyway. Like, I am in the middle of a year-long playthrough of Final Fantasy VII currently. <laughs> Ooh, man, that's... Yeah. I would like to play Final Fantasy VII. I haven't ever. Yeah, I've... Like I said, it's I've been playing it for, like, a year on and off, and it's just turn-based combat. Like, I, I don't know what it is about it. I just can't stand it. There's a few games that do it right, I feel like, or do it better, make it more interactive, but I feel like it's just kind of watching it take place. You know yeah, I, mean? I think a big part of turn-based combat is that you have to think more about it, and so you get down to points where you're like arguing with yourself about what's the best, most strategic thing to do, Yeah, as opposed to like a hack and slash where... You're gonna hack and slash, right? I I love the uh, Pokemon games, and they're uh, obviously they're turn based, and I think part of the reason that I like Pokemon is because like it it's a very like simplistic and fast paced turn based combat. That's arguable. Well, type advantage. That's a very easy thing to pick up on, and so like a lot of the times, especially like in if you're just playing through the main story, then like nine times out of ten, you're just gonna like one or two shot something which makes it just go by super fast. I see where you're coming from. So the thing that I don't like about Pokemon, how grindy it becomes. Yeah, that's definitely true. And because a lot of the times I usually will, would just take my starter and level it real hard and build a good team. But you get to a point where it's like 
trying to get higher and higher levels. Because yeah. my main approach when I play Pokemon is just try and out-level whatever I'm playing. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. it makes beating them easier and makes a very slow game faster. I can definitely see where you're coming from with that. Um, I do agree that turn-based combat makes games slower, but I think that's the point. Yeah. That was the industry standard for a long time because that was the only thing that they could do. That was a hardware limitation. And something Square Enix has, uh, they were they came under a lot of fire whenever Final Fantasy 15 uh, came out in the news that um, that, that it was going to be real-time, um, or not Final Fantasy 15, sorry, um, FF7 remake, that it's going to be uh, live-action or uh, real-time combat versus turn-based. And Square said, like, listen, like, this is going to be an HD remake of the game and turn-based combat is a relic of the past. And like, that's something that we're not interested in anymore. Moving up and onward, which is yeah. honestly, in my opinion, good. Right. I do think turn-based combat still has a place. Sure. I think it has its merits. Definitely. But I also think that place is Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> what or, a, what an excellent way to put that. Or Dragon Quest 11. Like, I think that those kinds of games can still keep turn-based combat relevant you're not going to have a turn-based combat game at the forefront of uh, a developer's release. I say that and watch next month or within a week, someone announced the most dope-ass <laughs> turn-based combat game right, yeah. that anyone's ever heard of. Yeah. Uh, turn-based combat battle royale. <laughs> uh, the last thing in the Nintendo Direct that really that struck me was the Link's Awakening remake. That looks really interesting. I've always been a fan of the top-down Legend of Zelda's more than 3D Legend of Zelda's, excluding Breath of the Wild, but that's a topic for another time because I feel like we could both go on for a little while. Oh yeah, if we wanted Legend to talk Zelda. about the Legend of Zelda, Marcus and I have very distinct opinions right. about what makes a good Legend of Zelda game and what we enjoy about it. Right. We could probably have a Legend of Zelda podcast yeah. because of that. But like I said, I'm really excited for Link's Awakening because I've always been a fan of the top downs and it looks really cool. The aspect of it being on Switch is automatically like plus 10 points like the switch is such a great console <laughs> yeah really like, like it the fact that like just the fact alone that it is an on the go it is a mobile console yeah that you can also hook up to your game your to your screen at home and play really good quality games like i was watching you play kingdom hearts 3 the graphics on that shit yeah are out of this world and that's from a console that you can take with you nope it's on PS4. Damn. <laughs> I was wrong. I was like, oh, where's he going with this? <laughs> so the, the dock of it gives it like a, a boost to its performance, obviously. But just taking it on the go, I find myself playing Smash Ultimate in handheld mode more than with the controller. And I love the GameCube controller. Like, that's what I've exclusively played Smash with for a long time. Sometimes I just want to lay back on the couch and play with the Joy-Cons because it's just... You just like... Playing with them sticks, huh? Yep. You're just like teasing them knobs. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Reggie Filame left Nintendo. Fisame. That's what I said. No, you said Reggie Filame. Oh. It's Reggie Fisame. Yeah, Reggie Phil Anime. Uh, he left <laughs> Nintendo. Um, and now Doug Bowser. Doug Bowser. Yeah. And now I understand that everyone on the planet has made these jokes, but is this man an actual Koopa? Yeah. I thought long and hard about it. Yeah. This makes the lizard conspiracy people way more valid. <laughs> I 
so can you tell me anything about Doug Bowser and, and the direction that he's looking to to take Nintendo in? Where he's taking it, I have no clue. Um, but I do know that he was, I'm pretty sure he was like a, a marketing, like the, he was the head of, he's the vice president of marketing uh, for Nintendo of North America for a long time. And he was like, apparently he was like a donkey, like the original Donkey Kong. He was like a world champion. He was the original Donkey Kong? He was the original Donkey Kong. Uh, but yeah, he was like a world champion at Donkey Kong, apparently. Or like at least had like a, like a world record for something yeah. with Donkey Kong. But yeah. Um, That's pretty neat. Yeah, so he definitely has like a background in like video games and stuff like that. I'm really looking forward to it because uh, I only know Reggie Fisame from memes of him. And him looking at me makes me feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I expressed similar sentiment until like... It was actually, like, it's kind of like Twilight Zoney because, like, maybe a week before he resigned, I was like, you know, I'm really starting to warm up to Reggie. Like, <laughs> same thing. Like, yeah, like... yeah. And then, like, he drops his, like, goodbye video, and I watched it, and I was like, damn. Like, my heart was just like, hey, best of luck, Reggie. Whatever the hell you get out there in retirement, man, you've lived your best goddamn life. CD Projekt Red also said that Cyberpunk 2077 it won't have a Battle Royale mode, thank God. And it also will not have microtransactions, thank God. Did you hear that? <laughs> I know exactly what you're going to say because you love bringing this up anytime someone this is uh, This is my favorite, favorite piece of information about Cyberpunk 2077. And it's that it was announced that you can have sex, quote, any way you want. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> and just the implications of that. You can have sex any way you want. The kink sex community on the internet is very large. And if you, the listener, is interested, I'm sure you can find information about it. I'm not going to go into any depth because I don't want to ruffle any feathers. That's a lot of information to put into a game. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Do you I... think... Now, this is going to be controversial, at least within this podcast. Okay. Do you think they're going to have furry sex? Could you have Could you have furry sex in Cyberpunk 2077? This is not the direction that I was thinking that this um, piece of news was going to go into. I definitely figured that you were going to bring up the uh, you can have sex, quote, any way you want, unquote. Um, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Max. I really don't. Only time will tell. Yep. I am really looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077. It's it's one of the games that I saw. It was announced at E3 last year, wasn't it? I, no, it was before E3 last year. Um, it was announced last year at some point. Right. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited for it, too. I just... Uh, I haven't played much by CD Projekt Red. I've only played The Witcher 3. Uh, I really enjoyed that, so I'm really looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077. I've also played some of The Witcher 3 and yeah. enjoyed the game. Um, but yeah, was... if, it's, if it's anything like that, I, I, from what I can tell, from what I played and from what I've seen uh, you know, other people say is that CD Projekt Red really puts like a lot of like their heart into the games, and so like you can really tell that everything that they make, is they're try, they try to make it a masterpiece. So. And how do you think they will handle media that is not exclusively based on Vin Diesel's D&D character? Ah... Uh, See, that's that's the trip up is like outside of The Witcher 3, CD Projekt Red hasn't done much that's like very notable. Honestly, I have no idea what they've done other than The Witcher 3. Yeah, I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head. I know they've done the other Witcher games. I think that with as, uh, as much hype and as much revenue that they're as much money at the, as they're throwing at the problem. I think that they're going to do a good job. Um, hopefully only, only time will tell. Yeah, uh, but I am excited for it. And lastly, the juiciest piece of news, the most juicy piece of news Pokemon Direct. Here it is. Uh, so we're recording this on the 28th. So the Pokemon Direct came out yesterday. And boy, howdy, is it hype. I Anytime they announce any Pokemon generation, 
I just lose my shit. Now, like, like, looking at the gameplay, it looks like a way doper version of XMY. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I was hoping that this that the next generation would be in soft spoilers ahead if you haven't seen the direct and you're trying to just keep all generation eight news out if you're listening to a video game podcast and haven't heard the most recent pokemon direct yeah fuck you uh you're no, listening to this we for love a reason. you and accept you anyway but spoilers skip ahead yeah max my but this is this is my podcast so um i think you're valid <laughs> thanks max um it's it's obviously set in england like it, it's just the uk um yeah like Super fancy houses, right. like Big old, ben. like old Victorian stuff. Yeah, um, I think that they have a lot of room to like explore that, uh, because I think the only European region that we've had before was Generation Six, so that was X and Y, um, and that was set in France, um, or the Calus region, whatever. But that one, uh, kind of like indent on the in the side of the hill, you know what I'm talking about? And it yes. was like that, uh, the piece of art that they have in in England. Yeah, that's in the that's in the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah, and they had all the Big Ben imagery. It's very obvious that it's set in like industrial area UK, and I I've seen a lot of uh, speculation about like what the starters are going to be like evolving into. I want to talk about these starters because I'm upset by them. Really, Gronky, Grookey, Grookey. Yes. Okay. Regardless, Grass Monkey. Yes. That, that funky, funky monkey. monkey. Yes, that's the good bit. <laughs> Score Bunny. I don't like that they've included so much of the the animal it's based off of name in it, and those are that's generally how I feel about most Pokemon. Sure. Uh, but at this, this is what eighth gen. Yes. I understand if they're having a little bit of a time creating names and translating yeah. names. You from, gotta give them a little bit of a break. Uh, uh, but they're also a multi-million billion lots of they. They're a financially stable. They're stat business. Yeah. You think they'd be able to afford someone who can come up with a good name for a for a Pokemon. Now, a good name for a Pokemon, Sobble. Sobble is a good name for a Pokemon. Sobble is a pretty good name for a Pokemon. You know my favorite thing about Sobble? What's that? It's what it looks like if you took the surprise Pikachu meme and made it into its own Pokemon. Like uh like a Pikachu? No. But blue? <laughs> yes, essentially. <laughs> um yeah, I, I really like all the all the designs for these starters. I feel like they're um, a little bit of a step up from the Generation 7 one, Sun and Moon. Um, now, remind me of what those starters were again. Those were Poplio, Litten, and Rowlet. I've never heard of any of these Pokemon. Okay, well, Rowlet was the only cute one, and uh, Litten was a cat, <laughs> just a red cat. And that's the most important thing about Pokemon is which ones are the cute ones. Yes. Now, in Gen 8... All of them are the cute ones, yeah, except, for, really cute. except for the weird bunny one. You don't like Score Bunny? I am not a fan of rabbits. That's fair. Um, <laughs> out of the three, uh, what do you think your starter's going to be? Uh, generally, you... I start grass, but I don't think I could look at Grookey's, the back of Grookey's head. Yeah. F- no matter what he evolves into. And, like, Sobble's so sad, I just want him to be my friend all the time. Yeah, I feel you. I feel that. I... I have yet to decide, uh, just because like I like seeing the full evolution line. Uh, I will say that out of them right now, Grookey and Scorbunny are looking pretty cool to me. Um, and I've seen speculation as to like what they're going to evolve into, and I feel like a lot of people have hit it had hit the nail on the head um, as far as these things go. Because as far as it being based in the UK, it's 
I think it's going to be very easy for them to make Sobble into uh, the Loch Ness Monster. That's just very, I feel like that's really clear. And um, the Score Bunny is going to be the Easter Bunny? I No, Score Bunny, I think, I is going to be soccer-based. Uh, soccer-based? Yes. Hear me out. In the direct, there you see your trainer go into a soccer stadium. I made a fucking joke about that when I fucking watched it, and if I fucking <laughs> have to watch a goddamn giant anthropomorphic rabbit kick a soccer ball with his big-ass goofy fire foot, I'm going to jump off a cliff with every Nintendo Switch on the planet underneath me and die, I guess. You also see, like, in Japan, like, uh, so Score Bunny has that, like, bandage across its nose, and, like, a lot of, like, athletes and, like, anime have that. But uh, also in the name. And, like, I, I originally, whenever I heard the name Score Bunny, I was like, oh, Scorch Bunny. But it could also work as, like, Score! <laughs> it's an athlete, dude. Um, lastly, and Grookey, I feel like, is going to be the one that's, like, kind of up in the air. Uh, but I did see a Reddit post about um, a prediction for it, and that was Grookey is going to be a drummer. Um, and because you, you see in the direct, he's banging a stick on a rock. He does do that. Uh, and the stick in his hair could be a drumstick. Um, Man, fucking the lengths people will go when they watch these Yeah, there's a lot directs, of speculation. Like... Yeah, because, I mean, it's the most, it's one of the most beloved series in the world. The news about a new game in the series automatically makes people wonder what's up, and they talk about it. But yeah, regardless, whatever comes out of Gen 8, I'm excited to play it. I love Game Freak. They're one of the uh, more consistent developers out there because they exclusively work on one series. <laughs> oh, also, the uh, the producer of the game was real, real flyly dressed. Yeah, he really was. I think he's more in tune to a modern audience. Which is good. He he needs that. Something yeah. else about Pokemon that uh, I, I thought about while I was uh, watching the Direct is how this company is as viciously entrenched as it is in consumerism and capitalism still has this love and support for their audience right. that you can really feel when they talk about it. Yeah, and that's something that, like, um, a while ago, they Nintendo had an announcement that said that, like, hey, we revealed Metroid Prime 4 way too early. Um, and we're sorry, but it, you're not going to get news about it for a long time. And I feel like that was a... Um, it's strange hearing a developer come out and say that because you never see those. You just see, oh, we're pushing the date back. But Nintendo was very apologetic and was just like, we hope that, like, you this doesn't make you see us any differently as a developer. And that's something that I really appreciated, and be, uh, mostly because, like, you know, I get it. Like, sometimes games get pushed back. That's just how it is. It's for for an art form that has so much going on at once, um, and that has like a million people, too many, you know, too many cooks. Then sometimes that's just how it goes. Um, and so I'm not, I'm never really upset that much whenever a game gets pushed back. I mean, I think that's the primary reason that Nintendo, no matter what, is going to go down in history as the number one console developer oh for sure in the world in the universe yeah. probably i don't know what you've got out there aliens if you're listening to this podcast but it's no fucking shit next to the goddamn nintendo yeah if you guys have something better than nintendo i'd love to see it they're the best I, there's no company out there who has had 
as long as a track record and is as consistent as Nintendo is. That's absolutely true. And and you can have opinions about it no matter like Sure, you can you can hate Nintendo games, but you can't you can't say that they're not one of if not the best game developer when you look at their marketing sales, how long they've been in the game, their audience retention, right. Everything about them. They're Yeah. Nintendo has this like magical ability versus other companies who say like, "Oh, we make games for everyone." When that's not true for the most part, but Nintendo, they really do make games for everyone. Anybody can sit down and play Super Mario Odyssey, can play Pokemon, and it's just like playing it whenever you were eight years old sitting on the couch. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's that's something that uh, no other game developer can do. Absolutely. So anyway, let's talk about Battle Royales. Let's talk about Battle Royales. Max, I think that we should start this conversation off with something that is very often overlooked. Okay. And that is... One of the games that pushed Battle Royales into the spotlight, and that is Minecraft. Uh, okay. You remember the Hunger Games hype? Yes, I do remember the Hunger Games hype. Uh, I, I remember the Hunger Games hype like it was yesterday, and something that came out of the Hunger Games hype was that was also at the same time that Minecraft was at its peak. There were so many Hunger Games Minecraft servers where you could log in, and they had plugins enabled where you would spawn into like a set area, that would slowly circle in, just like in all Battle Royale games now, and you would have to, like, craft or find chests that had weapons in them, and it was just Minecraft Battle Royale. And that was, like, one of that was one of the first Battle Royale games that, like, really popularized the concept, and that's where the launching point started. Which, that fact is nuts to me, because it means that people took a game that is about being alone... <laughs> and being very zen and mining out, strip mining entire layers of materials for no reason other than to do it. Right. And turn it into a PvP game. Yeah. Which is more of a statement on the gaming community than it is about Battle Royale games. Right. I I feel like that was also part of the beauty of Minecraft was that if you knew what you were doing, you could turn that game into whatever you wanted. Yeah, and I think that... Honestly, that's the way that the gaming community views all games, is that if you look at it the right way, yeah, it can be anything that you want. Especially with something as sandbox as, like, Minecraft and, like, uh, shit, the only other game that's coming to my mind right now is Roblox. But, I mean, it's true. Like, it, it, Roblox isn't for us, it's for kids, but you can do whatever you want in Roblox, and you can do whatever you want in Minecraft. Tell me more about the, the transformation of Battle Royale games. Sure. So after Minecraft, I'm sure that, you know, there were a few indie titles that came out uh, that were, like, Battle Royale-themed before, like, you know, it got, like, uh, super big. Uh, but then H1Z1 came out, and that's where... That's when we really start to see the hype train start taking off. And H1Z1 is and was a buggy mess. Um, it's one of those games that kind of got stopped in, you know, production. It was, like, greenlit on Steam, and then it was just like, this game is in... Beta, which means that any time that there's a bug, it's not our fault, <laughs> which I hate. Uh, but then you, after H1Z1, we get PUBG. Um, which that's where I first was aware of the Battle Royale craze was right. with PUBG. Yes, I PUBG, PUBG was the peak for me as far as um, Battle Royale games go. Um, I played a little bit of H1Z1, not too much. And after PUBG is, you know, everyone knows it. It's on a decline. It has been for a while. Yeah, it something that's interesting, and and we'll talk. About, I I think this leads us into the the next part of this conversation is the uh, sort of rapid expansion and release of 
battle royale games yeah across development platforms yeah uh another game that i have been playing not quite too recently for reasons that i will soon announce uh and by announce i mean discuss <laughs> uh is ring of elysium which uh i really enjoyed i played a lot of it solo and really enjoyed the mechanics and so i played i played that before i played pubg uh simply because that's the way that uh you know having a console you play a free game before you play yeah. a pay game and the the just something about the the input lag comparing those two games is you mean the input lag in ring of elysium or pubg in pubg yeah there was like it it took so long to uh for the game to respond to my key presses it just and and yeah. something as minuscule as that can just derail me from a game yeah i definitely feel you i think that uh i feel like i i've definitely put more hours into PUBG than i did for ring of elysium i did play a ton of ring of elysium um i i preferred ring and it was a free-to-play game um PUBG definitely had a more realistic aesthetic to it if that's what you're into and it had uh more realistic gunplay that's for sure um, but on the whole, it was a lot more buggy and it was a lot more broken and it had a lot more cheaters and that's just how it is. Which unfortunately that is the direction that Ring of Elysium has gone. Right. It, which is funny. They, um, recently released season two, uh, uh, probably a month or so ago, uh, with a new map, which is completely different from their initial concept of a, a, a snowy mountainscape. It's an island with... Uh, a f- volcano nearby, which you th- which sounds like a cool concept, uh, but it seems all in all their development direction was to go more PUBG e. Yeah, which is weird since like that was uh, PUBG was already on the decline at that point, and so making that movement to something that I mean clearly was popular. Yeah. It's it sort of derailed me from the game. They've they've also changed the loadouts in a way that makes the game less fun right. for me, especially as a solo player. Yeah, it is a lot harder to survive for longer, which is honestly how I would end up winning any game. Is that I would just out survive people. Yeah, I and that that was something that I enjoyed about uh, Ring over. PUBG or H1Z1 is that whenever you drop in initially, then you you have a weapon. Like, you have a pistol. And that's just, like, everybody gets one to start out with. And that was, and oh, God, that was one of the most infuriating things in PUBG is, like, whenever you sit in queue and then load in and then wait for wait to drop and then you finally drop. And that entire process takes, you know, like, five to seven minutes. And you can't find a gun and you get capped immediately. And it, then you have to go through it all again. And that was infuriating. Versus Ring of Elysium where, like, yeah, you might get capped immediately, but get good because you also had a pistol yeah <laughs> we would be remiss uh not to mention Fortnite in this battle royale segment we would be remiss uh because it is the it is very popular right now it is um, however it isn't as popular as apex legends yeah apex legends has really taken off apex legends got 1 million unique users in the first eight hours of the game's release holy shit i didn't know that yeah that's fucking insane it has had the most insane response yeah it's like we uh, in the gaming community were in the desert 
dying of thirst. And Lawrence of Arabia came up and dunked ice cold water on us and we died. Yeah. The I like I said, I've only played a few games of Apex Legends, and that's mostly because I'm a little burnout on Battle Royale games. I will say from what I've played, I really enjoy the uh how smooth everything is. I enjoy the kind of cohesion that you feel with the aesthetic and the, the heroes. I feel like they, that was very fleshed out, like the world. And I also enjoy the gunplay. Um, the only things that kind of, that, the only things, and these are minor things, that uh, kind of took me away from it a little bit, was the fact that these are like uh, made-up guns, like, you know, future guns. And I get it, that's, that's the concept. This is like, you know, a futuristic thing. But something that I liked in Battle Royale games was like, oh, I, uh, I've played games with these types of guns before i know what to expect from them versus getting like the laser quest 1 million you know what i mean i do see what you're saying and uh i've seen the comparison made between apex legends and overwatch yes in their gunplay styles and now i do enjoy a good couple games of overwatch i for the life of me can't get it installed on my computer because blizzard's installer is a piece of shit (laughs) but nevertheless yeah. I've enjoyed Overwatch in my time. And so I like the idea of taking that game, which I liked, and turning it into a Battle Royale game, a gameplay style that I really like. Yeah. And something that I'm really interested in is that it is exclusively three-person squads. That was a very... Uh, that's a very interesting take on it, I feel like. Is that it, it's, it's, it's exclusively three-person squads. Which I think bridges the gap between other battle royale games and overwatch in that in overwatch for the most part you are in a squad with people yeah and you all fulfill your role right which it seems that apex is also leaning towards is that you have each legend has a role to to fill right in in the game right and i wish i could remember the name of the article that i uh, am stealing this idea from uh, and sort of riffing on that meant that compared them to Overwatch. I read a I read a breakdown of the legends last night because I uh, wanted to know a little bit about what the game was like before I started playing it. Sure. Uh, another great thing about it, free to play. Yeah, that's uh, that, which brings up my other issue that I have with it. Again, very minor, um, is that it's hosted by EA Origins. And, <laughs> and uh, Max, I saw it on your face, and I wouldn't be surprised if everybody else listening who who knew where I was going to go with this also made a very similar face. That EA's a piece of shit. Everyone everyone knows it. And the Origin Launcher is also a piece of shit. Yes. Uh, I don't have specific instances of problems with the Origin Launcher. So far, it's been fine. Sure. I have not used it. Yeah. So it's been fine. Like, see, and I feel like that's the thing is like any EA has everything going against them with Origin, in that everyone's so used to Steam. If you're if you play games on PC, then you you're used to Steam. Well, and... see, here's a this is this could lead us into an interesting dis- direction, or it could not. It could end in a second. Sure. There are so many new launchers. It seems like every day I'm having to install a new launcher for my computer right? to play a, a, a critically acclaimed game. Yeah. Which makes it begs the question, and can any of these launchers compete with Steam? I think that currently no, obviously. Um, I don't think that Epic Games is going to make it. 
Um, and I don't uh, origin. I think is a, not a close second, but it's second. And the reason is because it's it's been out for long enough. I feel like it has a, a lot of people who do play on origin. Um, and I think that another good contender for uh, or another good a contender for a competitor to Steam is uh, GOG. I have three games on GOG, and I've played five minutes of them. Yes. Uh, I know that a lot of people enjoy GOG because it's DRM-free. So if you're into that, that's, hey, GOG. Um, I, however, that's not something that I pay a lot of attention to. That's not true. What I said was a lie. I have one game on GOG, and I've played it probably about a couple hours. Oh, okay. It's Soma. Oh, okay. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a great game. Yeah. it's it was a, It's a fun game, particularly in that... Uh, I can choose to turn uh, enemy hostility off and just play through the story without being scared that I'm going to die. I didn't know that. Yes. That's interesting. Uh, which, I'd like to get a story without worrying about dying. Yeah. I definitely feel that. It's, Especially, like, in a horror game where, like, the, the main driving force and like is it's, just a spooky. It's still a spooky game. Yeah. But because I know I'm not going to die, I can play it at night. Yeah. Because I'm not scared. Yeah, I know that I'm I'm my character is going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, some spooky jump scares. I'm not that far into the game, and it's already got like Ooh, if it Max. gets worse, I'm gonna shit myself. You simple bitch. No, <laughs> that that game has a very good story. You're gonna love it. Um, I'm looking forward to finishing it one day. So an up and coming battle royale game that I feel like can give everything everyone a run for its money is Spellbreak, and the reason why is because. Spellbreak is a battle royale game only in form, but yeah, it, what's so neat is that there are no guns. No, there's, it's just wizards doing wizard shit, and the the magic system that they have in that game is so fun. It's almost gun like. Yeah, but not, and like because you put on gloves instead of shooting a gun. Right, and they they give you like a different element for each spell that it acts like a different projectile type. Um, that also has an ultimate ability tied to each gauntlet. And it's it, the way that they do magic in that game is so interesting that I almost wish that Spellbreak... You know what? I do wish. I wish that Spellbreak wasn't a Battle Royale game because I feel like if they took that those mechanics of like wizard combat and put it into something else, that it would have so much more room to grow. I really feel that way. I agree with you there. I think that making it a Battle Royale game is... It, it's trendy right now. Yeah. And I think that that will help them get their foot in the door with a larger audience right. as if they have a Battle Royale game, which will get them sort of the momentum they need to start developing other games. Right. I, I, I really hope that this is kind of a way for them to, like you said, ride the wave of Battle Royale and then introduce another mode where they can have more dynamic gameplay. Because the rounds, the rounds are too short. It's a little chaotic. More so than usual Battle Royale games. It's actually very chaotic. Yeah, and that um, makes sense from what I've played of it. Uh, I've only done sort of play testing of the mechanics. Right. I haven't played actual matches, but from a uh, particle standpoint, yes, it seems like it would... There's just so much going on. It really is. And I, like I said, I wish that it was something other than a Battle Royale so that you could... So that these mechanics could be fully enjoyed. Because I feel like... Like I said, it, the rounds are a little too short, and there's a little too much going on for you to be able to really think about what's going on. You know what I mean? I do understand. Yeah. 
Um, that was weird. That was a weird response. I do understand. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just want to talk about how we got into a closed alpha, baby. Yeah, we why... our our dicks are so hard for video games. Yep. Um, so that leads perfectly into Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> uh, My we... dick is so hard for Donkey Kong. <laughs> At Tree Combo, I do a segment called Ready, Set, Replay. Uh, today, Max and I are going to be discussing Donkey Kong 64. So, Max, how, whenever you replayed Donkey Kong 64 recently, how far did you get? Uh, I had unlocked up to Lanky Kong. Okay. And got stuck on Tiny Kong's Beetle Slide quest, which is... The, the sucker level. <laughs> you have to run the game almost perfectly, including attacking the beetle, and then right. you have to get off and get in front of him. Yeah. Just just so that you can complete this thing that is necessary to beating the game. <laughs> Donkey Kong 64 finds itself in a very precarious location because this is a game that everyone talks about but no one says much much about. You know what I mean? Yeah, I a lot of people enjoy the game. I I mean, it was my idea to play it because when I was a kid, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And now most of my Donkey Kong 64 gameplay as a child was in the GoldenEye-esque multiplayer. So I have less experience with actually playing playing Donkey Kong 64. Uh, I Probably this time that I've played it is the farthest that I've gotten in Donkey Kong 64. Right. Uh, I, I played only for a few hours. Uh, en- enough to, you know, jog my memory because I did play it as a kid. Uh, I don't think I ever beat it. But Donkey Kong 64 is one of those games that just did not age well. Um, and I think that as a game for kids, it works really well. And the reason why is because part of the part of the allure of it is all of the collectibles that there are and how explorative the world is. Um, but I play games, I, I want to play through the story and I, I want to have a good time while doing it. That's my primary objective is to beat the game and have fun. And so whenever I play Donkey Kong 64 now, I... Don't feel that. I it feel... definitely feels like they're trying to keep you from beating the game. It yes, it try. It, it really feels like they're trying to keep you from having fun. Like I and I hate to say that about Rareware, um, but by the time that Donkey Kong sixty four came out, they had so many games under their belt, like Killer Instinct, Goldeneye, Diddy Kong Racing, Banjo Kazooie, Jet Force Gemini. Now, Jet Force Gemini is a garbage game that has not aged well at all. There. I have never played it. I could actually play Donkey Kong 64 as, like, having, like, played, playing modern AAA games. Right. Going from modern AAA games to Donkey Kong 64, I could still do it. Right. Jet Force Gemini, I had trouble doing anything in the game. Yeah. Because the uh, way that they handled the 3D environment was miserable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's something that a lot of uh, and especially especially Rareware and and Nintendo at the time of the N sixty four with the I would say exception of uh, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time had major problems. Oh yeah. I would say Ocarina of Time had minor problems, but it was nowhere near. It's so on a scale of one to ten, ten being perfectly easy to play through. Right. From a three D camera standpoint. Ocarina of Time is about an 8. Donkey Kong 64 is about a 5. Jet Force Gemini is a negative 6. <laughs> you have I, no control right. of the camera. 
I, uh, that, that, yeah, I mean, that's, that's an issue that they had during the N64 era and something that Super Mario 64 suffered from was that the camera controls were awful. And that's just like part of the territory that comes with like making a game in a 3D space, uh, that they've never done before, you know? And, uh, but back to, back to Donkey Kong, um, one of the saving graces of that game, two things that stand out to me. One, um, guns. Okay. Maybe, <laughs> maybe three things. One, <laughs> monkey guns. Two, uh, so much, there's so much personality to the world and so much great characters. I do have to say that my initial reaction to seeing the island was, and walking around it for the first time in, I don't know, probably 12 to 15 years yeah. was, is this it? Yeah, <laughs> but that's the, definitely fair. But at the time, it was a massive inc- like yeah. increase in the Donkey Kong universe. Right. Like, previously, it had just been, all right, you're going to go to this level and this level. And it was yeah. like going through file folders of, ga- of, uh, of, of levels that you were playing in games, which yeah. I'm just now understanding that that's literally all <laughs> that level select is, yeah. is you na- navigating through a file and choosing the right program. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, and a- another great thing, Grant... Kirko fucking slaps, and he did a lot of music for uh, Rareware, um, and all of all of the songs that he ever touches just turn out to be bangers. They're I mean, great. Donkey Kong sixty four had the Donkey Kong rap. Yeah, I I don't think that was Grant Kirko, but um, it might have been. <laughs> I I Kirk I I Kirk hope it was. Oh fuck you. <laughs> You know I'm say? not done talking about the Donkey Kong rap. <laughs> okay, this is the first then. introduction you as a child have to this game. And it's this dumb, stupid, He's finally incredibly so, so, catchy song. Yeah. I like I haven't played Donkey Kong 64 for, like I said, 12 to 15 years. Yeah, yeah. I could probably do the whole goddamn Donkey Kong rap <laughs> consistently. For the rest of my life, because they chose something that would immediately get you hooked into the game, right? And make you want to hear that thing again. They right. used they used a piece of sort of musical marketing to ensure that you would play the game again, yeah. Which is something amazing to do to to get, to get you to play this sort of almost unplayable game, yeah. <laughs> so they would. It's masoch- It's sadistic. What they've done right. is is get you addicted to this thing that just hurts you I, over and over again. I feel like a lot of the ideas presented in Donkey Kong sixty four were very ambitious, but they ran into a lot of technical limitations. Yeah, I think I think the biggest problem with Donkey Kong sixty four is that it was on the N sixty four. Yeah, and the N sixty four was a great console for the time, but the issue is like you can't do the things on the N sixty four that you can do on modern consoles. Nintendo. Doug Bowser, Reggie Fisame, if you if you're there, and still have any pull, can we get a Donkey Kong 64 remake? Oh, Max, I would love that. However, the license is all split up. Like, oh, yeah. there's a lot of like rare assets that are in the game that now belong to Microsoft. I'm calling it now, 2050. I'm gonna make Donkey Kong 64 a reality. Why don't you just why don't you just wait 14 more years and make it in 2064? Holy shit, I'll be dead. Oh, okay. You you've planned it that far out? Yeah, well. No, I'll just be 74 and uh that's an old age to be alive. Yeah. I'll be very upset. <laughs> yeah, that's an old ass bitch of an age. <laughs> 74, that's one of the worst ones from what I hear. 
But yeah, just, let me switch monkeys, Rare. I wish that you would just let me switch fucking monkeys. Uh, give me a like, dedicated why do monkey I have switching to, button. Why do I have to go to a barrel to choose between these monkeys? And that's anti-fun. Like, that's not... It really is. Yeah. And especially with as many collectibles are there are that that there are... Right. ...specific to each monkey. Yeah. And you made it so that I have to go somewhere and essentially replay the game over and over again in yes. parts. That's, and that's the thing is that it's not that's, – that's the part that I feel like almost intentionally they were like, let's make this game not fun. <laughs> See, I – and I don't think that they were trying to do right, that. Right. I mean, obviously not. I think that – and I'm sure that there were precursors that led to this, but I think they were thinking, this is what kids like, right? Primary colors, running around, collecting a bunch of things. Yeah. And I think again, you mentioned earlier that it was uh it was very kid friendly. Yeah. I think a lot of that has to do with uh kid attention spans. Yeah. You could play the game for thirty minutes and then get bored and put it down and then come back to it and you know, essentially be in the same place that you were yeah, when you say, left off. You didn't make any progress, so what's the big deal? <laughs> yeah, I, I there's just a lot of a lot of things like that. The 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 small attention to detail things that add up and make the game a chore to play like switching monkeys. And if you want to go for all the collectibles, good fucking luck. Yeah. Fucking try it. Yeah. Um, I was, I was trying to any percent the game and I don't even think I could do that. Uh, I'm very bad at video games. Yeah. I'm not good at them. A lot of the 3d platformers. I, I, I'm awful at, I, I enjoy Banjo Kazooie other rare, rare games that came out around the time, but this one is a no go for me, dog. Ah, uh, you're not going to Hollywood. I'm sorry. Donkey Kong 64, you pluck my heartstrings, but I'm going to have to slap your ass, dump you in the trash. <laughs> Max, I think that's all that we have to talk about today. How could it? How could you do this to me? W- what exactly? In the episode? Yeah. Oh. I'm very upset. I was having a lot of fun. Well, I, I was too. I'm glad that you had fun. Uh, thank you for coming to for being my first guest. Yes. Thank you so much, Marcus. I really enjoyed being here and hope to see you again. Is there anything that you'd like to plug? Yeah, as always, I'll plug our other podcasts. Releasing every other Thursday is Story Sodic, an episodic storytelling podcast hosted by me and written by Marcus, me, and Timothy from Versus Extreme, our other podcast, which is a how-who-would-win style podcast. A how-who. A who-how-what-when-where-why podcast. Let's just tell podcast. them what it is. Versus Extreme's a clusterfuck, but it's really fun. You should check it out. It's it's um, three goofs goofing about, talking about whatever the hell they get their hands on. <laughs> the next episode of True Combo will be releasing on March 22nd. I'll be having Nick Williams as a guest, and we'll be discussing how consumers treat developers and how developers treat consumers in turn. Our Ready, Set, Replay will be Pokemon Coliseum for the Nintendo GameCube. If you liked this episode, please tell a friend. And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. True Combo and all of our other shows from Dryer Sock Productions, including Versus Extreme and Story Sodic, can be found on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I want to give a special thanks to Jess Adams for designing the cover art for True Combo and to MK Ultra for allowing us the use of our theme song, Tears in the Rain. I'm Marcus Driscoll. Thank you for listening. See you later, skater. Brought to you by Dryer Sock Productions. Pop that pizza pie in the oven, baby. We're about to start a podcast.